Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? Doing well, Jeff. How about yourself? Doing well so far. It's very moist. <laughs> a moist Monday. Yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> try, I'm kind of getting tired of this damp weather, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it gets hot and muggy after it finishes yes. instead of staying cool. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to make its damp mind what it's going to do. Cause it's, um, yeah. So, how are things? Things are all right. I spent yeah. most of the, I mean, I watched movies this weekend, but I spent a lot of it trying to resurrect this old laptop. I got an old okay. um, tablet PC. Oh, wait, wait, wait. How old is it? There we go. <laughs> Earth came out 2003, I think. Okay. Or 2004. Yeah. And um, the hard drive just died on it. And finally, I think it was like about five years ago that happened. And so now I'm just trying to put a hard drive in it and then put uh, Windows XP on it. But everything I've tried just hasn't gone through. Like I've gotten close. I've gotten different screens that I didn't see the first time. Um, but I don't know. I got to do more research, but I keep getting closer because I'd, like, I'd like to get it working. You know, I'll keep it offline because it doesn't have updates to it. But I, it's just like my favorite, favorite laptop because it's basically a tablet PC, but also has a cool keyboard attachment to it. Kind of like how you have now with your iPads and your mm-hmm. Surface Pros. But, um, you know, it's cool to hear that old Windows XP startup sound. Nice. So I'm trying to get to that point. But So that's my little project right now. So I got a... Now this may not be... Uh, that's the successor. Um, I got it. Was cleaning out the garage yesterday. Finally, after being at this place for two years, trying to get around and actually make it look presentable and not so junky. Um, yeah. So I uh, did all right. We had got I'd gotten some shelving to put up to put up to help kind of clean things up and make it a little bit easier. So I, uh, but in doing so, I went through a lot of stuff for you know for everybody, I guess. And have a bunch of stuff to take to Goodwill and, you know, a bunch of bags wound up being thrown away and, you know, just make some progress. I, uh, doing so, I, we have a lot of old tech at our house. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of old tech. And some of it came from my grandfather, you know, and my grandmother that I ended up bringing back. And I, uh, but in doing so, one of the things I found, speaking, um, was my Palm Pilot Zyre, which is uh, just the model. Yeah. And, but it's, which was actually released in the, uh, looks like the winter of 2002 for when it looks like. It had a whole two megabyte RAM, 16 megahertz uh, processor. And yeah. So I thought it was hot. I thought it was hot stuff because I was able to keep all of like contacts and like work related stuff as far as like work history yeah because you know when you have to always apply to places you have to put your entire you know and then the longer it's been the harder it is to remember addresses phone numbers and true you know people you worked with that you would put down as a reference and they may not even work there anymore but yeah uh 
So I came across that because I thought because I, I think I got that 2002. We just moved. Hmm. Because we just moved to Columbia. I had gotten it for I probably got it for a holiday present, either birthday yeah. or Christmas. But yeah, I thought it was hot stuff because, you know, <laughs> this before cell phones had all that because just several years before smartphones. So I used to carry that around and use that in case I needed phone numbers or contact information for businesses. So anyways, I uh, not only did I find the Palm Pilot itself, I actually found the charging cable that went with it. Now, after 21 years, it's kind of amazing I was able to find either, much less both. Right. (laughs) So I've got a charging right now. It's when it looks like a Game Boy as far as like the screens that sepia Mm -hmm. uh, screen. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see what's still on there. Yeah, when you sent me the picture, I thought it was like either you know yeah. PDA Palm Pilot or yeah. uh, a caller ID because it looked kind of similar. It, yeah, I saw that too. I'm like, okay, yeah, it kind of does look like a caller ID. But yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm gonna plug this in and see if it works. So yeah, 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 cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, just funny to see what still, you know, what's still kicking and what in the fact that it still works. Right. Like, oddly, enough, oddly enough, same tub. It was in the same tub as my Game Boy, which I know works because, as we have discussed uh, a couple years back, when I found it and cleaned it out and mm-hmm. uh, to get all the corrosion and then put new batteries in it, and boom, came came run on. Yep. Uh, when it comes to it comes to handhelds, Nintendo pretty much does well with yeah, you know, building their the build of it, build quality. So keep takes a lick and keeps on ticking. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, because yeah, I showed it to Ruth this morning when she was getting. She goes, she goes, are you, where do you plan on doing this? As I'm charging it, see if it's still. It's like why? So you could put it in a museum. <laughs> I said, oh. yeah. I said, yeah. Our mu-, I said, yeah. The museum that's in our house with all the other old tech that we have. Yeah. <laughs> I said also, and she legit thought it was my grandfather's. Dang. Not mine. I said, no. How old do you think this thing is? I wanted to be like, you realized 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Is it 1983? <laughs> okay. Right. It's literally 2003. <laughs> exactly. Dang. Just saying. Just saying. Uh. <laughs> but, but it is cool when you find old tech and it, you know, and it yeah. works. Cause oh, yeah. I was surprised. That, I was surprised. Um, power cable i have still charges it up and i don't know how the battery will hold because i haven't used it right. without it being plugged in but it, it has the lights where it's charged up and it never yeah. had a good battery life anyway it was like one to two hours yeah but um yeah if i can just get it to install this software i'd be so happy there you go yeah well, fingers crossed for you my friend yes and fingers crossed uh, that your palm pilot does work and <laughs> still for has whatever it. reason yeah. for whatever reason to yeah. scroll through the contacts thing and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that person. Oh, yeah, I wonder awesome how tech. they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's literally all it's going to be. It, yeah. I think it might have, like, Snake or something like that. It may have a game that's on there. That's or something cool. similar. Yeah. But, yeah, something like that. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, we're doing good. Yeah, like I said, we're I'm made a lot of headway my 10 hours of cleaning yesterday. Uh, a lot of stuff to get rid of. Hopefully the weather will hold up so I can do that uh, later today. But otherwise, yeah, we're doing good. Kids had the first week of school, survived. And, yep. uh, you know, Grayson likes it. Uh, she was able to bring her laptop home 
first day of school. So she thought she was hot stuff, you know, with yeah. that. And uh, York actually hasn't gotten his computer yet. He's not exactly upset about it. <laughs> but he's also not really that, you know, it's seventh grade. You know, it's just like, eh, yeah, it's it's OK. Yeah. You know, he's it not with any of his friends, so it's it's kind of that part kind of sucks. But right. But yeah, so far, eh, it's OK. I was like, all right, man. And then uh, yesterday, yesterday, no, Saturday, Ruth and uh, Grayson did the tomato 5K to which Ruth had not trained for and has not done a 5K in several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, but one of our mutual friends, one of our friends signed up and told her that, you know, she should, you know, come do it with her. And Ruth's like, OK, yeah, sure. And then. Yesterday, she's like, there or Saturday morning, she's like, I am not prepared for this. I'm like, who are you trying to impress? Just take your time. Walk it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Just don't try to do more than what's being asked of you. You know what's being asked of you? Absolutely nothing. Just pace yourself. Yeah. Just take your time. And guess, and she wasn't last or even second to last. So, and she survived. She completed the race. Very sore yesterday. <laughs> she's very because I thought I was sore yesterday afterwards. It's nothing compared to today. I said, Nope, sure isn't. Usually <laughs> I said that's usually the case. Right. So when it's been a minute. Yeah, the first couple of days afterwards, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. Yeah. 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 But she's doing better today. That's good. Grayson, you know, had a great time too. And yeah, they had a they had a blast. And then uh Yeah, yesterday just Oh, she Grayson had a choreography for her floor routine and beam routine for for gymnastics. So that's the basically she learned the choreography to what she's going to be using when she competes in competition, competes in competitions. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she's very excited. It's very fast. Like it's it's there's not a whole lot of kind of. I don't want to use the turn like like it's not just like a leap and then like a turn and then like some weird arm movement and then she runs and does another leap or something. You know, it's it's actually fast moving. She's got tricks. She's got turns. She's got all kinds of stuff she's actually doing. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's a lot more fast paced. So completely different than her floor routine for rec team, which I, I know she's got to be excited for. So it's it's going to be good. So, but that was pretty much third day. We went to Costco. That's about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's been our crazy week. So we're we're ready for this week and second week going strong. So yeah. we'll see see how school uh, how they do at school this week. So yeah, well, Kyle's liking her liking it so far as well. She she's been a little under the weather. Yeah. So she wasn't here this weekend. Um. You know, she was saying, like, I get sick more during the summer than during the winter, so I'm ready for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but she's liking her teachers. She's excited about a cosmetology class and personal finance. So we'll see how her – I think this will be her second full week because she started okay. a couple weeks ago on a Thursday, so it's the second week. Gotcha. Yeah. I also forgot to mention York and I finally, finally finished Dom's Charger. From Fast and Furious, our Lego Technics build. So we finally completed that, and uh, we are now because we usually put anime on while we build. Mm-hmm. 
We are now on season two, episode five of Attack on Titan. Yeah. And yeah, it's things are things are in motion. Things are definitely happening now. Yeah. Okay. I don't, not a lot of build. It, it's it's going strong, but it's it's good stuff. So and York loves rewatching it because things that are being revealed in like season four mm-hmm. as he's rewatching it uh, these last season in the first season and half of the second season. Now he's noticing things that were foreshadowed here and then pay off later. Okay. He's like, Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so, I, it's like, how did they even know this far back that they're going to do this? I go, well, York, you're watching, you're rewatching it. So they're, they're late putting the seeds in the earlier episodes so that, they probably like they probably didn't even know that it's gonna that anything would come from it in right. these later seasons. They're just like, you know what? Remember when this happened? Why don't we have something happen here? And you know, it'll seem like it all. foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess I'm I, sure that's I, how I just love his excitement. Yeah. I just yeah, I just love <laughs> his excitement watching it though. So, but I've been enjoying it. The animation is just crazy. How good it is compared to compared to I mean considering it's fifteen years I forgot what year it came out but it's I mean it's been around for a minute and the fact that it's uh, apparently there was a ten year hiatus between the first and second season wow yeah right it's <laughs> a big gap not, not ten months ten year like a whole yeah. ass decade passed Dang. and you can yes. tell because the animation's different but in a good way. Right. Like it's just I mean the animation of the first season was was pretty clean and crisp as it is, but it's even more so. And I think they're using different kind of animation technology, mm-hmm. like either overlays or something. I don't know what, but they add something to it that just gives it that extra layer that just really makes it pop. And it's just it's just fun just to watch, much less worry about story and everything else. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. We're getting we're getting through it though, and uh, it's been fun. It's good bonding. Uh, York and I are now moving moving on techniques wise to the uh, McLaren that I have that I actually got for me to build. But it's too much fun to build. It's too much fun building with him. Right. Then I I could probably I mean I could work on it by myself, but it's not going to be near as much fun. And then uh, you know, if he were if he were here, so yeah. Anyways, yeah, we did finish that one. Both of us had a good uh, feeling of success because that one went exponentially better than the Batmobile did. <laughs> I I feel like it'd be like starting like a model car mm-hmm. and instead of starting with like a Snap-on to learn how to do it. We yep. went straight to expert level <laughs> with with glue and all kinds of decals and stuff uh, and painting. Like I feel like we that's kind of where we started instead of starting like with an easier build let's just bring on the challenge <laughs> we, I mean, we fought it head on and golly we had so many things we had to go back and fix on that one but this one pretty smooth build we had one missing piece we could not find yeah. at all so we couldn't move on because we couldn't find this I, it knew it had to be around somewhere couldn't find it so i actually ended up going on amazon and buying like this variety pack mm-hmm. of pieces for lego technics i'm like so we have, because I'm thinking we have this one, we have the 
finished the Charger. We had the McLaren, and I have a Bugatti one. So we have two more, and I guarantee we'll probably miss some pieces there. This will be good just to have to just replace whatever piece we yeah we may yeah. miss. It yeah. was worth the twenty bucks. I was like, yes. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, so yeah, we we are very very happy we got that done. So, that's I think that's yeah that's it for this week. Cool. So uh, trailers for this week. Uh, we have all dirt roads taste of salt. I want to say taste like salt, but I know I'm reading the title wrong. Taste of salt. Uh, I believe this is is this an A24? I feel like this. Yes, this is an A24 movie. Uh, with an unknown unknown date when it's going to be released. When I was saying a decades spanning exploration of a woman's life in Mississippi. In an ode to the generations of people, places, and ineffable moments that shape us. Written and directed by Raven Jackson. So, looks good, though. That's for sure. Uh, Let's see here. Next, um, we have Vacation Friends 2 coming uh, October, or excuse me, not October, August 25th. So, here in a couple weeks. Yeah. A couple who meets up with another couple while on vacation in Mexico see their friendship uh, takes an awkward turn when they get back home. Sounds like basically the plot or the first one. Hmm. Maybe not. You saw it. I didn't. I mean, maybe they're, I guess this is afterwards. You know, they met them in the first one. Now they're going home from that. And this is what happens after. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I haven't watched the trailer uh, yet, so... Okay. This, again, stars John Cena, um, Meredith Hegner, Little Royal Howery, Yvonne Orgy, Orgy? Uh, Ronnie Chang's in it, and Steve Buscemi, Carlos Santos. So, that'll be... Uh, I'll be coming August 25th to Hulu. I still need to watch the first, get around to watching the first one. Yeah, I think the first one was okay. I don't remember much. So right. I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a good sign or just, just been a while since I checked it right. out. Exactly. But um, I'll watch the new one. Yep. <laughs> maybe maybe go back and rewatch the first one just yeah. for context. There you go. Next, we have also coming out August 25th. We have Adam Sandler's uh, new one. You are so not invited to my bar mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. Follow Stacy Friedman as she prepares for her bat mitzvah, but her plans comedically unravel and threaten to ruin the event. Uh, starting, of course, Adam Sandler. Okie dokie. Here we go. Idina um, Menzel. Jackie Sandor, Adam Sandor's wife, Sadie Sandor, uh, Sonny Sandor, who is playing Stacy. Uh, family affair. Yep, it literally has the entire family. Luis Guzman's also in it. I'm sure Rob Schneider's got to be in some Adam Sandor movie. Oh, Michael Buscemi. So, Steve Buscemi's brother, I guess? Maybe? Perhaps. It's <laughs> Maybe it really is a family affair. <laughs> uh, doesn't say it, so I'm 
but I'm sure it'll have a host of cameos because it's an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, written by Allison Peck and directed by Sammy Cohen. Again, coming to Netflix August 25th. We'll give it a watch. Yep. And then, yeah, that's it. So two things I want to read you that I found. One, I wanted to quickly. I'm, I thought this was, one I thought would be an interesting conversation piece. The second one I just thought was hilarious. So uh, doom scrolling because I have nothing better to do with my time, I guess. Um, I came across this one tweet that I thought was funny uh, by Jesse McLaren. So, uh, in quote, so we're supposed to root for Mark Zuckerberg, a lifetime or a longtime villain, just because he's willing to fight Elon Musk, a new villain, in quote. Yes, this is what 10 Fast and Furious movies have been preparing us for. (laughs) 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 This, of course, is about is in real uh, in relation to the. Elon versus Zuckerberg fight that may or may not, but probably not happen in a couple of idiots. But anyways, uh, I thought that was hilarious. And so the next thing I saw was, so this dude uh, has like one of those parody accounts mm-hmm. for Liam Neeson, but it's spelled Liam Nissan or Nissan, depending if you're British. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, Liam N-I-S-S-A-N. So this person apparently is was wanting to argue that Kevin Sorbo's better than Liam Neeson. And if you're arguing that you already know what color hat they're wearing, just, we'll just go with um, Kevin Sorbo. So they're like, they're, this is the response. Kevin Sorbo, 162 acting credits, 22 producer credits, one writer credit. And then legit put Liam Neeson, not Liam Neeson again, William mm-hmm. Nissan, 148 acting credits. I want to know who this person is. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I was like, I wonder how much William Nissan actually has then. Uh, William Nissan, 148 acting credits, two producer credits, zero writer credits. And then it says, I'll let, I'll let your pull your own IMDb page. I'm sure you have it bookmarked. Might want to in all caps, work harder than uh, back in lowercase to catch up. So that's not the funny part. I mean, it is humorous, but here's my question. Is the argument supposed to be that a person's a better actor because they have more credits and more producing credits and more writing credits? Or should it be, should we be basing how good the actor or actress is based on the performances they give. Right. Not necessarily the quantity, but the quality of the project and their skills. Yeah. Yeah. And just because you can do various different things doesn't mean you could do various different things well. Right. Because, I mean, look at Nicolas Cage. How how much has he done? I I was actually getting ready to look (laughs) it up, to be honest with you, because I was going to see if it's going to rival it. Yeah. Because he's done a lot of movies, and not all of them are great. (laughs) No. We can... We've covered a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he still gives you Nick Cage, but <laughs> sometimes Nick Cage don't work in everything. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, how many do you think? How many credits do you think Nick Cage has? I'd be surprised if it's not over a hundred. 
110. Which means it's still kind of low. That it's lower than I thought. I thought it'd be more. Which means Kevin Sorbo with his 162 is apparently a better actor than Nick Cage with his Academy Award. <laughs> One is just more active. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and then um, he has, and Nick Cage has 17 producer credits, but no, however, no no writing credits. Ah. So. And because uh, see, that's because that's kind of what I was saying. I was like, well, it just seems like if you're going to, it just seems like a weird, because it, to me, it just seems like a weird argument to make that the more credits you have means you're a better actor. It's like saying, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's like sports, like the more games you play and the more points you have and stuff like that. It's a different way. You can't justify statistics that way like, like championships someone like charles barkley who never won his team never won the finals but michael jordan's got six six rings right type deal yeah, it's a little different exactly and actually liam neeson has 140 credits so this person gave eight extra credits uh. <laughs> mighty, it's mighty nice of them and ha- it does have only two produ- producer credits and no, no credits for writing. Well, get your, didn't write anything, get your, so it's not well, that great. Get your, shit, get your <laughs> shit together, man. Get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, so I was curious. That just made me, that just made, you know, I kind of went, huh? Like what, how should we judge that? Like, how should we be like, Okay. Well, how many memorable movies and memorable performances has Liam Neeson been in versus Kevin Sorbo? I mean, the only thing I remember him from is Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's I, it. I mean, if I've seen him in anything else, I don't remember. Exactly. <laughs> so. But you can, but I guarantee you can list at minimum 10 Liam Neeson movies. I mean, if I think about it, sure. But I mean, just Take more than... It. I mean, just naming two is more than what I remember from Kevin Sorbo. (laughs) Yeah. I could probably, I bet I could name about 20. Yeah. William Neeson movies. Out of 100 and whatever. (laughs) Uh, Taken on Ice. Taken on the Car. Taken, but I had, Taken, but I have Amnesia. (laughs) 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 Taken, but it's not my daughter. It's actually my granddaughter this time. I think. Taken, but it's my granddaughter on ice. Taken, but, <laughs> taken, but a volcano. I don't know. There's a certain niche. No, <laughs> certain. <Yeah. clears throat> well, because he has a certain set of skills. Yeah. Let's face it. True. And yeah, it's, I just found that so odd. I just, I don't know. That just kind of, then <laughs> someone, uh, someone else chimed in in the comments because, you know, people, people love arguing. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to just go past it. Like, no, I got to say something. Nope. I got this. Stand by. Kevin Sorbo worth $14 million. William Neeson, $140 million. All right. If we're basing it on money. (laughs) Yep. So, but here's what one person said though. They said, uh, they said maybe he has less credits because he makes more and doesn't have to work as doesn't have to work as much. 
and that maybe he just needs to reassess his hustle because because he's able to get paid more because they they recognize how talented he is and re- want to reward him because yeah. they also know how many people you know what kind of box office they can they can draw in so therefore he has to he doesn't have to work as much so. yeah <laughs> But yeah, Kevin Sorbo, 140 uh, acting credits, producing credits, 21. I need to see which movie he wrote because I need. I'm curious about this now. Oh, he wrote an episode, one episode of Hercules. Wow! But it counts. Yeah, credit is credit. <laughs> yeah, right, credit where credits do. Oh, that's okay. Real quick, and we'll move on. How many credits do you think Danny Trejo has? Just acting, obviously. Hell, is it more than Nicolas Cage? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched uh-huh. a lot that he's been in, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I would think it's a lot. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's more than it's more than Kevin Sorbo and Liam Neeson combined. Oh, the 200, 300, 300 range, 300, four, <laughs> 422 credits. Well, shoot. He's the man then <laughs> for going based on how many credits. Yep. yep. Uh, he's the best actor ever then. <laughs> 11 producer credits. Oh, yep. no writing though. The shit they don't text. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a working man there. Yes, it is because he doesn't know how to say no. And, He's also just amazing because he will legit. He's done student films because somebody asked him. He's like, sure. They said we can't pay, but we we can. But uh, but we're bought, but we'll buy you lunch. He's like, okay. Wow. <laughs> he literally worked for lunch. That I mean, yeah, he's he's the man. That's yeah, he is. <laughs> so there you go. Based on the logic of that yeah. Twitter post. That hey. that's that's the weird winner. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. <laughs> He's the best. All right. We can get off of that. I just I I thought that was an interesting I found it interesting and thought it would make good converse you know, good conversation thing to think yeah. about. Like what because I feel like kind of like uh, some people judge some on their good depending on how either how many credits they've done or how much wealth they've obtained. Yeah. And, you know, as we are talking about how much those two actors are worth, you know, uh, according to Hollywood, I guess most actors, because there a lot, of, I think a lot of people, you know, this is one of the points that's been brought up during the strike is mm-hmm. that everybody's like, well, why are these actors going on strike? Because they make, you know, they make, they're actors. They make a ton of money. They're on TV. They're on. They're in movies. They need to quit their whining. Blah 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 blah. However, that's great for people like The Rock. Yeah. Which I donated an undisclosed amount of money to the SAG After Fund because, and then others have fallen suit. Other big, you know, A level, A list actors have also donated their wealth because yeah. it's what you should do, especially to. Uh, to the union to which it is you belong to that has helped make you who you are. You know, the right. you're, you're basically investing in yourself when you do that. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. It's yeah. like putting it in a savings account, really. Yeah. They're good for it. <laughs> you don't get it back. Exactly. 
So do good things, brother. All right. Um, but yeah, so most actors don't make that. A lot of them, you know, they, especially if they don't get like royalties or uh, residuals yeah. you know, from being on it, TV or. And I guess it comes down to the contract that they agree to. Yes. That, that's part of it. And then just well, companies find ways to find loopholes to not have to. Right, kind of like how, like, like music, musicians, yeah, they put these albums out and they sell 13 million copies, but they usually make most of their money when they go on tour, mm-hmm. depending on how that's set up. They don't really make a lot off their albums. A lot of that goes back to the studio getting the marketing for that. <clears throat> that's why when I had to choke up all that money for our Blink uh, swag, I was like, nope, this is where they get their money. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Not everybody has the luxury of making those big bucks. Yep. So it's 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 great to think that all you know. Basically, if you work in show business, you're making a bunch of money, but most of them don't. Uh, I saw one person that worked on a show, a pretty popular show, and they what was it? They think I paid three hundred something dollars to write on that one episode, and they're and they're getting nothing like, on the back end. Nine, yep, nothing on the back end. So, cool. yep. So we're just—it's it's, not like it's not like back in the day when something goes into syndication, you get paid. Now right. it's streaming. Right. How do you monetize hard to, that? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what they need to get worked out. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, they got they got to figure that out. Otherwise, <laughs> done. Yep. Yep. Exactly. All righty. Speaking of things that we think, eh, speaking of things that it felt like AI wrote, let's get into our <laughs> future presentation. Oh, man. Speaking of, stri- speaking of streaming, right? <laughs> this I am going to let you talk about this one. I'm just going to briefly interject with some thoughts that I had, but this one's all you. <laughs> so we both checked out Heart of Stone, which released this past Friday. The eleventh on Netflix. Uh, it's direct. Well, it's runtime two two hours and two minutes. Directed by Tom Harper, and it stars Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot, whichever way you want to pronounce it. She plays Rachel Stone, Jamie Dornan as Parker, Aaliyah Bott as Kia um, Dawan, Sophie uh, Alcanado as Nomad, Matthias Schwighofer. Yep. As as Jack of Hearts, um, <clears throat> Jing Lucy as Yang, Paul Reddy as Bailey, and then you have appearances by B.D. Wong and Glenn Close because they're basically cameos. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, an intelligence operative for a shadowy global peacekeeping agency races to stop a hacker from stealing its most valuable and dangerous weapon. And <laughs> during the trailer, it's brought to you by the executive producers of Mission Impossible <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part 1, so... There are some similarities here. It's almost like this is the cutting room floor or like the an idea they had that this didn't work out for Mission Possible. So they said, hey, we got something for Netflix in a way. Yep. Definitely didn't get rendered. <laughs> um, so basically, Rachel, Rachel Stone is, I guess you say she's double operative. She works for Charter, but she's been. Which sounds like an insurance <laughs> company. Right. <laughs> but she works for the cable company Charter. So her her main agency is Charter, but she's working with MI6. 
And under MI6, she's basically under the, she's a tech support person that stays in the van, doesn't really get active or whatever. So they're trying to hack into a server, but they get kicked out. And so in order for them to be able to do so, she has to get close to the to their to their marker, the person that they're after. And so she gets to get out of the van, goes into this ski lodge casino, and, you know, that way she can be nearby to, to hack the security's encryption key. And to keep her cover, she plays a game of blackjack. And then basically things go left. <laughs> and <laughs> their target ends up, let's see, so her team, she's got, four people on her team. You got Parker, Yang, and Bailey. So when things go left, Parker ends up with the target on a ski lift. And the rest of the team trying to go after to basically protect him. But mm-hmm. because Stone is their tech support, she kind of gets injured, fakes an injury to stay behind, but also is on her own little mission to rescue Parker. So, which is weird. If you're after the same person, why not just say, hey, I'm this and we're working with you to do this. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's that was part. one of my problems. Yes. <laughs> Why well, do all this this secret stuff when yes. you're both after the same? You got the same mission. You know, Charter's about saving the world. MI6 trying to save the world. You both have the same target. Why be a mole for, for, for I mean, MI6 is supposed to be, look, what? Supposed to be secret as well, right? <laughs> so yeah. a lot of issues there. But anywho, by the end of the mission, things kind of go go south. The target ends up dying after taking cyanide. That's the story. And the team gets chastised for botching the mission. And then Park, I mean Stone with Charter kind of gets chastised for what she did because her actions would have led to her being, you know, found out. But she's able to take out this the security team by herself and hide the bodies so quickly. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So don't date her. <laughs> no, no. But um, so they end up going to a safe house that gets attacked by this team. Uh, and Stone has a way out. But instead of leaving, she decides that she wants to save her team at the risk of both death and blowing her cover. <laughs> and then in doing so, find out that there's actually someone in my six that's a mole. <laughs> and they're basically the thing that they're after here is called the heart. Which I was like, Alice, oh, kind of like the sister of the entity or the brother. Yeah. <laughs> which is there, which is the charter security that's pretty much able to do whatever you want it. You want to shut something down, gain access to something that has the ability to track. You know, it's just the the do all type thing that does everything. <laughs> and charters pretty much leaned on it so much that they're relying on the tech that they have. But I'm not gonna say who the mole is, but thereafter the heart. And there's a hacker named Kia who has become a concern that they're tracking, trying to find her as well. But um, it, it's just really, it really confusing. Like I said, they're Stone is part of Charter, MI6, instead of just them working together as a unit. And then once they, you know, you know, solve everything, get their credit where it's due, they just, this it just doesn't make sense for that to happen. It's just too confusing. But um, kind of, predictable where things are going to go which mm-hmm. which is kind of <clears throat> a letdown um i thought the action was okay even though the cgi effects were pretty i guess how people are complaining about marvels kind of like that it's just real bad yeah 
<clears throat> so I I went in part of that. I, I just found out what, what could be partially the cause of that. The budget for this movie was $68 million, Oh, which is a good mid-range. It's decent. Yeah. But for this type of movie, that's slow. Ask him. You're having to make sacrifices in certain areas. Yeah. So the movie was written by or co-written by Greg Rucka, who writes a lot of comic books mm-hmm. and regular books too. He's, uh, I've actually been lucky enough to meet him uh, 30, 13 years ago. Jeez, has been a minute at a, a comic book convention in Seattle. The most down to earth nicest person you'll ever meet very jovial person was very like excited to take pictures with people like it's just he wasn't like over it i guess is going to put it um he wrote this uh comic book series called gotham city central mm-hmm. which is where you know the first basically he created the, the character renee montoya and he chose back in the early aughts to you know make her make her gay which hadn't really been done at all because it was still new and all that and he was able to write the inner workings of a police department as if he i mean i always thought he had background in it but he didn't and he just does really good he just did really good uh the the graphic novel whiteout they made two movies on it um, Mm -hmm. two or just one i can't remember anyways they made a movie. The movie's subpar, but it's it's still watchable. I still like it. Okay, uh, but the graphic novel was really good. I know they made two. Of, they did. He did that and Whiteout Melt. He he's also done. A, he has this whole spy series called uh, Queen and Country, which is basically this female spy, British spy that goes around and you know, does spy stuff. Yeah. But it's a whole series, and it's actually pretty good too. I think I'm only like four, and I think there's over like twelve. <laughs> Like, it's pretty, you know, it's fairly popular. He also did the Batman No Man's Land, which mm-hmm. was, for, if you're a fan of Batman, it's, you know, kind of a big deal, big deal. And they kind of briefly skimmed the surface on it with uh, Dark Knight Rises, with cutting up, you know, all access to Gotham. Anyways, it is, uh, it's pretty cool. And he's a great writer, so I'm not sure what happened with this because I forgot he wrote this movie. It mm-hmm. was like this dialogue is kind of stale. Um, yeah. And then it didn't seem natural. I think if it were a comic book, if he was writing for a comic, it would fit a lot better. Yeah. Cause the dialogue in comics is not natural dialogue. True. Which is, which is fine. It's just, that's, there's a certain type of writing for that. Yeah. But when you're writing for, you know, for like a live action thing, you kind of dialogue, you know, need to be a little more conversational, more natural. And it just seemed off in a lot of areas, it seemed. Yeah. Another another thing that bothered me was like, you know, with her being kind of double agent. I guess Which I still haven't to... figured out why. Right. That's still That was the thing I, as I'm watching this going, why am I getting confused by this? This shouldn't be that confusing. Why can't they just why does she need to hide that? From, yeah, just say, hey, I'm added to the team for this. And then maybe she does come in as a tech support from them or something like that, but mm-hmm. they don't know she's got <clears> these skills. <laughs> and then she reveals it like, oh. But what bothered me also was when kind of the, the turn happened and yeah. her team members 
some of her team members get killed, her emotional response to it, I'm like, I don't think they built up her connection to them as well mm-hmm. to where, because when it happened, she's <clears> kind of, you know, bothered by it. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't see the connection that they had to where she'd had that response. Because <laughs> I think yeah. like, I feel like they should have. You feel it later, but you see, you do see it later though with the uh, by a couple of different actions, you know, the picking up the dog, the way oh, yeah. I'm at the end. So at least with one character, yeah. But the other one, the other ones, yeah. You're, you're just yeah. like because that was part of her thing is that she tries not to get too close because you're not supposed to, right? In this business, blah 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 blah. Yeah. So I just don't think they set it up to where when that happened. You get you get hit the way she got hit by it, but I mean, like you said, right. later they do, but it shouldn't happen later. It should be in that moment where you feel what she's feeling. Yeah, because like I see how they were connected. I just don't think they built that up. They're too busy enough. trying to get to the next scene. I think. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't build that up enough to where the payoff of her having this emotional connection she's not supposed to have just didn't. I didn't yeah. feel it. I didn't feel it. Um, yeah, but still, the whole thing about them her being a secret agent you know within mi6 as working for another agent double secret like, yeah double secret probation agent right it's like <laughs> just just i don't know yeah i don't know me either yeah me either <laughs> you think she would have uh, been able to tell at least one person but i guess right. if she had revealed that then we wouldn't have had that scene you know i don't know yep and then it felt like it's a lot of stuff you've seen before. It's nothing really yeah. new. There's nothing new. There's nothing that you're seeing that you haven't already seen before. Yeah. Because um, what was it? Was it? Dang, which movie was that? Because there's a scene where they're on a blimp and they're going inside a hatch. I'm like, man, I've seen this in a movie before. Mm-hmm. That came out recently, I believe. <laughs> I just can't think of which movie it was. The is it the one with Chloe Grace Moretz, the monsters, the Gremlins thing, whatever you call it. Either Shadow that. of the didn't they have a scene like that in Ghost? Wouldn't there a scene like that in Ghosted as well? Probably. It was, I was just like, okay, yeah. I've seen this. <laughs> but I mean, it's streaming. Like unlike like Extraction Two or even the first one, if I don't think this would this is perfect for streaming. I don't think it would have done yeah. well in 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 box oh, office. Man. But mm-hmm. yeah, like Extraction could have been to the theaters and been yes. fine. But um, yeah, this was perfect perfect for Netflix. <laughs> Um, but if you think about like your top favorite like Netflix and movies, I would think the two extraction movies, and then the two army of whatever the the Dave Bautista zombie, yeah, yeah, those, those two, that one, and then the one with Matthias Schweighoffer, um, that the other one that he's in, yeah, where it's more focused on his character, yeah, those two, like those four movies. Are like the ones I think about as these are just fun. These are even I can't believe these are straight to Netflix and not in theaters. Right. I mean Roma, Roma is still probably the best. Um, and I'm I really hate that I didn't see that one in theater. But um, but yeah, there's there's definitely more misses than hits when it comes to Netflix. And I think because they're trying to get they're just trying to rush movies through. Because they just need more content, more content, more content about more quality content. And then people will wait for quality content. True. I mean, I think they had kind of left this in the oven a little bit longer, did a little bit better development. 
I mean, it's not like terrible, but it could have been. No, but it could it could use a few notes. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 like I said, it's like Mission Impossible: Day Reckoning Part One, light, <laughs> the light side. <laughs> Man, because it's pretty much similar concept, but it's not as in depth with everything. And significantly less humor. Yeah, they tried, but <laughs> they didn't. Not work. very well. No. Even the scene where she was supposed to have been showing a bit of humor is like, yeah, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> Giselle, save it for her Fast and Furious rebirth. Yeah. But, you know, if you're, you know, kind of bummed out that won't be a One Woman 3 with her in it, here's some action. Which, there you know, you she's cool with it, you know. Yeah. She's she's doing her own James Bond, Ethan Hunt thing. Yep. <laughs> so, it's cool for that. It's just... Yep. There's a there's a it's a good movie, great movie there. They just didn't execute it as well as they probably should have could have. Right. Okay. Um do you want to go with your next one or you want me to go? I'll leave it I'll up go, to you. Yeah, I'll go ahead with my next one. Okay, cool. So <clears throat> the next one we'll talk about is one that I hadn't seen any trailer for. Just happened to look on the Regal app and saw it listed. Then watched the trailer. But um I watched Aporia. Okay. Which also which also came out this past Friday, the eleventh. Runtime of an hour and forty-four minutes, directed by Jared Mosh, and it stars Judy Greer as Sophie, uh Edie Kathegi as Mal, uh Payman Mawadi as Jabir, and Faith Herman as Riley. Since losing her husband, Sophie has struggled to manage grief, a full time job in parenting her devastated daughter. But when a former physicist reveals a secret time bending machine, Sophie will be faced with an impossible choice. So the movie starts off where basically a year ago, her husband died in an accident and Sophie has just been having a real difficult time dealing with everything. Um, she does have a full-time job, but she's also going to court trying to make sure the guy that's responsible for his death goes to jail, but that's not going well. And then, you know, daughter, teenager. So she's going through that phase where she's getting in trouble a lot at school or, not showing up. And so um, a family friend, Jabir, you know, they're talking and he kind of reveals to her that, you know, they were working. He was working on a time machine of sorts that may be able to help their situation out. And so what this machine does, it kind of targets a certain time and it's almost like a, a swap. So basically the solution is if they can pinpoint a time where this person responsible for Mal's death is in relation to wherever Mal is at that time. They can basically do a swap, which will keep Mal alive, but it'll kill the other guy. But he does tell Sophie that, you know, once you make this decision, there's no going back. So in this in this house, he has a room with this real junky looking machine that's supposed to mm-hmm. be able to do this. So he inputs the information, presses a button, and afterwards they're just kind of standing around like you know, do you feel anything? It's like, no, like, I don't feel any different. And so Sophie's kind of frustrated, like, okay, this was a stupid idea. And she takes off running, heads out. Jabir follows her, trying to talk to her. Then her phone rings, and the number that shows up is Mal. <laughs> and she drops her phone. She can't answer because the screen's cracked. But um, he sends a text, supposed to be meeting at a park where their daughter's playing soccer. And so she heads to the park, sees her daughter playing. And then Mal just walks up like, oh, you forgot the soda. And so, you know, she's happy to see him. And so what happens when they did this, 
the the past few years, um, she doesn't remember everything that's happened. So whatever's happened to where he's alive, like she's not aware of that. Mm-hmm. And there are subtle changes around the house where there's a lot of, you know, science, physics stuff. Like even the pillows have formulas on it. Daughter has different rockets and whatnot that they built for the competition. But she has no recollection of the last few months of him being alive. So everything is weird. Right. But um, so they end up going um, to like a mountainside to look at the stars and he stops. And he's like, this is weird. Cause usually when I ask you to do stuff like this, you think it's stupid. So what's, what's really going on, <laughs> you know? And so she finally, you know, kind of finally breaks down and tells him that, um, no, he, he's telling her about how him and Jabir was working on a time machine. And so she tells him like, I know about it. And he's like, well, how do you know about it? I say, well, he was telling me to try to help me with something. I said, well, why would he tell you? So he, she reveals to him that he used the machine to keep you alive. Cause you died in an accident a year ago. And so, he, you know, they kind of have their, their conversation where they just figuring out how it worked. So the accident that killed him. So it's basically, it switches out events. So the person that was responsible for his death dies from having a heart attack while driving, but his accident, he's um, working on the machine. Something falls on his shoulder. So he doesn't have used to his left arm. Cause you know, they don't know. They don't show that at the beginning where he's got, um, Debilitation or whatever, but so it changes events. So he has some kind of injury where he can't move his left arm. He's got like some brain damage. So his dreams of being a physicist are kind of dashed because he's got some. They don't want to hire him because of his yeah. condition now. So they basically get this idea of where. Well, basically, Sophie kind of comes across the the wife of the woman of the person responsible for his death and sees how her life's changed where she's lost a house she works as a, at a diner her daughter's sick so they get the idea well what if we can change what happens to her you know to kind of help her situation it kind of becomes like superheroes in a way like we got this time machine where we can affect people but it has weird side effects so just like um, when they brought Mal back, Sophie isn't aware of the their relationship between the time of his injury till now. So everything is like a like foggy. She doesn't know anything. Um, so basically, what happens if you're in a room with the machine when you activate it, you're aware of everything that happens. But anybody that's not in the room, things just change, so they're not aware of anything, which is okay. kind of a weird concept. Because, yeah. um, but I mean, it makes sense, you know. People that are by the machine aren't affected by what happened. So you know everything that was, and then you can observe everything as it is now, but not forgetting what happened. Um, it's 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 a weird, it's kind of a weird movie, but it's interesting because <laughs> they just start doing all kind of different things that affects things, like to the point they do something where it even affects the child they have. <laughs> like, wow. like you know, their daughter Riley, they 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 change something for the woman whose husband died, but in doing so, it kind of changes who their child is. It goes from being a daughter to a son. <laughs> and it's, it's just weird. <laughs> they end up tracking, tracking him down, come to find out he's got a, like a Shakespeare play where him and the mom have re- rehearsed this play, this, this scene. So she ends up going on stage and just botching the whole thing. Cause she doesn't know anything that's going on, <laughs> like embarrassing him. And 
basically they just start seeing the consequences of their actions and they need yeah. to stop. But there is something that they can do that may reset everything, but that means everything that happened before may still happen. You know, um, it's just interesting. It's just something that when it started off, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. Yeah. But just some of the things in it, just it's almost Oppenheimer-ish in a way. Because they're, <laughs> they're dealing with um, physics and whatnot, you know. But um, kind of like, what would you do if you had the opportunity to change something? Would you do it right. despite the consequences that it would possibly? Like, I wouldn't. You know, like, there are things that happen in your life that's supposed to happen. And you just got to find a way to deal. Because if mm-hmm. you go back and change stuff, you'll change more than you really want to. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. But um I liked it. <laughs> Kept okay. my interest. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's all I got on that. <laughs> okay. Uh all right. Sounds interesting. I watched on Apple TV Plus the Beanie Bubble. Rated R. Runtime one hour fifty minutes. This came back or came out July twenty first. This is about the basically the origins and the story of the Beanie Baby. Okay. So Ty Warner uh, was a frustrated toy salesman until he's until his collaboration with three women grew his idea into the biggest toy craze in history. Starring Zach Alphanakis as Ty, Elizabeth Banks as Robbie, Sarah Snook as Sheila. Geraldine Viswanathan as Maya and Tracy Bonner as Rose. So, and it is uh, written by Zach, excuse me, written by Zach Bissonette and Kristen Gore. It is directed by Kristen Gore and co-directed by Damien Kulash, who we know as the brother to a, uh, Two-time past guest and future guest, Trish C. So this is her brother, who's also the lead singer for the band OK Go. This is his first uh, jaunt into uh, directing. So uh, in this case, co-directing. And this movie is fun. I mean, it's a fun watch. There's a lot. It's definitely not for kids. Um, Really? Oh, it's no. There's f bombs left and right. Um, Elizabeth Banks drops them like the drops it like dropping a hat. Um, that guy is at when he gets really mad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see why it's rated uh, R. <laughs> yep. And that's exactly why it's rated R. Really, no other reason because there's no nudity or anything like that. But it's, uh, but yeah, uh, very mild violence and drinking and smoking. Very all that's mild, but it's mainly just language. As Captain America would say, language. <laughs> so, yeah, so this, it's really cool how they piece it together because they, where they start is not necessarily the beginning, mm-hmm. but it's a beginning. Because it starts with uh, Geraldine Viswanathan's character, Maya, uh, starting like an, not really an internship, but starting like a very, very entry level job at, at the uh, Ty Warner company. And then she starts as she's starting, like for her first day, you also see the, uh, 
breakup, more or less, of Elizabeth Banks's character, Robbie, with Ty. Like, she's, like, finally done in leaving. Mm-hmm. So you see her chapter ending, and you see Maya's beginning, which you don't realize till till you keep watching the movie. Okay. Because there are, there are some time jumps that you have to kind of keep track of, but it, it's it trusts that the audience is going to be able to follow. Like, it doesn't think the audience is stupid and that you have to have it keep putting like the dates or whatever it, it tries right. that you know what when this is in the story um, a lot of it is just zach galifianakis's wardrobe i guess is a good way to put it okay uh he's a very confident narcissistic narcissistic uh toy maker he basically specializes in stuffed cats like stuffed animal cats not okay. stuffed cats like tax taxidermists but stuffed animal cats of different colors and apparently they're very popular and he ends up meeting sarah snook's character sheila sheila has two kids and ty is very fairly charming he ends up uh they end up convincing he convinces sheila to go out with them and they uh they end up bonding and they go roller skating. You know, they like to go roller skating, doing fun things with Ty. So mm-hmm. then they start talking about before they even get started roller skating, they start talking about different designs for like uh, the stuffed animal things. And then they come up with the beanie baby, essentially. And the two kids come up with their favorites. And then those that kind of starts it. Well, Maya has a whole plan on how to basically make these popular more i mean more or less without just instant or uh, ty is very big on selling to mom and pop stores and not the major chains because once the major chains get involved he loses kind of like some sort of creative control i guess right um so what they also do is maya is able to read data very well and she ends up becoming more and more like her responsibilities become more and more advanced. She is the first one to design a website like for, for a toy, you know, for, for a company as far as like a toy company and where you're able to like post the new things and everything and actually order from the website. So, and that's actually true. And that's, you know, she was the first woman to do that. And, and one of the first ever, really, because this is, you know, you've got to think about it. this is like the early to mid 90s. Right. Mid 90s, mid to late 90s when this all was going on. And so they and then she's able to look at these, use these like websites to help market, you know, to basically figure out, OK, well, if we only release this many of this specific Beanie Baby, it'll drive the market up. Right. Because, you know, rarities and you know, less supply the higher the demand you know that whole yeah you know economic shit <laughs> that i that i have you know i stay away from but it's not any different than any other collector thing to yeah. be honest like you know for york and grace and pokemon cards same thing that's why york's got one pokemon card that's like six hundred dollars now it's like ridiculous because it's rare yeah because it's rare and he's you know they only put so many in there and same thing for like me growing up baseball carts or even like now these Funko pop figures we, we have. Yeah. And if they get vaulted in there and, and it becomes harder to find them anywhere, the prices go up. So yeah, that whole thing. 
basically the same thing with Beanie Babies. It was just all of that, but in the late 90s. (laughs) And she keeps trying to tell Ty, you know, we need to keep keep this low. But then he ends up partnering with McDonald's. He's like, well, don't do that because that's going to that's going to screw up everything we've built. And, you know, Ty doesn't listen to anybody because he's, again, narcissist. He needs the help of these women. But at the same time, he still thinks he's the one coming up with all these ideas. Okay. But what you find out is he's the one coming up with the bad ideas. These, you know, Robbie, Sheila, and Meyer, the three that are really kind of help, helping him shape things. He just is kind of more or less refusing to admit it. So It's not sinking it's, in. Yeah. But... You know, Zach Galifianakis is not playing his normal stuff. Like, he's really into this role, and he's phenomenal. Like, he's really good. Really, all the acting's very well done. And it is a very interesting movie. There are some things that you could see in it were probably added in for dramatic effect, but a lot of the stuff actually really did happen. So it's, but it is a very fascinating watch. I really enjoyed it. It is also shot really well. The use of color is what really stands out to me because uh, different characters are represented by different colors. And I haven't figured out yet the symbolism behind it, but I know there is. It's not done just because they look better, in certain, but it's done really well. And uh, yeah, no, I would, I'm probably going to rewatch it again, but I really enjoyed it. Um, even if you don't care about Beanie Babies, just the story alone is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh just watching what may or may not have actually happened. It's still a good biopic nonetheless. And it's just fun to watch. There's some good funny moments in it. Uh, again, they like dropping that F that F bomb left and right, but you know, get past that. I mean, it's not constant, but it's noticeable. We'll say pretty prominent when it happens. <laughs> yes. So, but it is, uh, and I love a bit Elizabeth Banks. She is excellent. Sarah Snook, of course, from, uh, succession, uh, was really good, and uh, Geraldine Viswanathan is one of my favorite performances in that. One, I think she's just really good. So, yeah, definitely check it out on the Apple TV Plus if you haven't or know somebody that does, so you can watch it. Cool. And that's what I have for this week. Yep, that's on my list. <clears throat> All right, so my last, I went to check out the Last Voyage of the Demeter, which also released. Friday, August 11th, runtime of hour 50, 58 minutes, directed by Andre Overdahl. Overdahl. Stars, <laughs> starring Corey Hawkins. Finally answered the questions, what happened to Heath in The Walking Dead? He yep. went back in time and found himself Should on a ship. Time. Mm, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but Corey Hawkins plays Clemens, who's a doctor. Uh, Isling Franciosi as Anna. Uh, Liam Cunningham as Captain Elliot, David Desmalchin as Wojcik, and Woody Norman as oh, Elliot's grandson. Is this a DC grandson. movie? <laughs> is this a DC movie? <laughs> He's a, he popped in here. He probably wishes he was um, Polka Dot Man in this. Probably. That's okay. Corey Hawkins probably wishes he was his character in 24. <laughs> right. I think, yeah, probably so. Um so a crew sailing from Carpathia to England find that they are carrying very dangerous cargo. So it starts off in 1897 where the, the meter has washed ashore in England. And among the wreckage, they find a captain's log. And the story of the movie pretty much comes from 
what's being read from the captain's log. Okay. Um, so a few weeks back, the meter is taking port in Bulgaria, where they're getting this big cargo to transport to England. And so they're short a few crew members. So they're trying to recruit people, which, of course, Corey Hawkins is one. He's a doctor that's trying to get to England. But yeah. They don't. They need able-bodied men, so they're not. They're not trying to take him. But um, so Wolchek, who's the first mate to the captain, there's a group of people that are refusing to get on board because they feel like there's evil on board and they refuse to go. Hmm. And they evil. They even pay him, pay them money <laughs> for the crew, so they don't go. And he makes the the comment that this is more money than it took us to get this cargo here. <laughs> yeah. So like. To me, I'm like, it's a red flag. Maybe you shouldn't right. do it, but whatever. They they do the cargo, they take it to England, and they are, if, they're, if they're there by a certain time, they might get a bonus if they get there earlier okay. than they're supposed to. So that's kind of their motivation, to get paid yeah. and get that bonus. Um, get bonus? <laughs> right. But one of the crew members that is chosen sees a symbol on one of the crates, and it's like a dragon, and he freaks out. While they're transporting, he loses his grip, and... Crate's about to crush um, the grandson of the captain. and But Clemens rushes in, saves him. And so doing so, he pretty much earned his spot on the boat. <laughs> so that's how he ends up there. But, um, you know, the captain's grandson is showing him around, showing him where they eat, the symbol, I mean, the, the, the signal to where, how everything's okay, like certain knocks you make to symbolize certain mm-hmm. things. Gets shown to his quarters. You know, everything's cool. Everything's good. But then one of the crew members notices something weird because something that's in that cargo box breaks out and starts wreaking havoc in a way. So so they find blood of a crew member who's missing, which they kind of just chop it up like, okay, maybe he's drunk, fell overboard and whatnot. And, you know, it's like, well, we don't doesn't explain his blood being everywhere, <laughs> you know. Right. But, um. But they just kind of go on, like, whatever. But uh, Clemens, kind of investigating some sounds, finds a woman that's a stowaway underneath this dirt that's falling out of this crate. And so they take her to a room, which, you know, he's doing his doctor things, like she's got an infection, so he must do a blood transfusion, which he immediately starts doing. And um, which the crew is not happy about it because, you know, the tale of women on, on board on the ship is bad luck. And so they just want to just throw her over the side and be done with it. But he insists that, you know, if she does, if he does these transfusions, they can stop, you know, make port somewhere, let her off, and then they can continue, which they also don't agree with because that's going to slow them down to where they can't get their bonus. But more crazy things end up happening. Another crew member goes missing. And basically they discover they have Dracula on board. That's basically the thing which they show in the trailer. And they're trying to figure out how to survive this. Somehow the stowaway is connected to Dracula, which they, you know, they, they'll tell you that you, you learn that later on. But it just becomes like, how can they kill this creature that's killing them? One it seemed like every night someone dies, you know. So my thing is, if it's during the day <laughs> and you figured out, so, so one of the crew members get bitten and mm-hmm. they show it in the trailer where he just bursts into flames in the sunlight. Like when you see this. My idea is let's take the crate and bust down the walls of the sun, hit it. But yeah. no, they try to do the old fashioned way with knives and guns. And so it just basically becomes like a, a 
Actual survival. They're trying to kill him like Rasputin or something? <laughs> right. But it just Tried. becomes survival, of, just trying to survive at this point because it seems like as he takes people out, he gets stronger, starts to be able to fly. So there's like no way off. So it almost seemed like they were set up in a way. Like this is a yeah. setup to feed him or whatnot. But, um, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. This movie just seems like it's the Titanic. Like, you know how it's going to end. Right. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like I can, I mean, like there's nothing, no real spoiling. Cause it's just basically, yeah. cause wasn't it part of one of the, uh, check seven. So basically it's chapter just a, seven yeah. of the book. So, yeah, I, so cause I was just... curious. So I'm like, all right, how much of, so my question was how much of, how much of the, Bram Stoker's Dracula is about the Demeter. And uh, Chapter 7 is clocks in around 100 pages out of 432 pages of the book in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which tells the tale of the Demeter cargo ship traveling to London. This entire chapter is told from the perspective of the ship's captain following most days of their journey between early July and August in 19, or excuse me, in 1893. Yeah. The book came out in 1897, which means, if you do math, it's been 125 years this year since wow. the book was published. So yeah. it may explain why the movie came out this year. Yeah. But it yeah. may not explain the movie. <laughs> I mean, for what it is, it's cool. Like, for yeah. them to just take that one chapter and make a movie. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of ends open-ended. Like, I don't know if they plan on doing something else with it. But um, it basically starts with the end ship has washed up in England. Police find it. Everyone that they find on board is dead. And we just get the story of what led to that. That's basically what this is. And um, and there is like kind of a Titanic moment at the end, because that's the first thing I thought about when I saw like, oh, it's like Titanic, but it doesn't go that bad. <laughs> well, it does go bad from one. It's kind of like a reverse. Right. <laughs> but um, but like the far as the like, you know, kind of hint at what the creature looks like then they show them which i think is pretty creepy because it's dark they use shadows and whatnot mm-hmm. like it's a pretty good looking dracula with wings and whatnot um and then it becomes at a certain point it just becomes a horror movie where it's just like <laughs> you know kill out of nowhere they're just being they're just being dumb like once you have about five or six people that refuse to get on board and they pay you more than what you paid then you know what you charged for bringing the cargo that's a sign and one of your crew members sees the emblems on the cart on the crates and then leaves almost killing the grandson of the captain that's red flag number two mm-hmm. then you find us then you find a stowaway which you know you know a woman on board is supposedly bad luck that's red flag number three and then crew members start missing <laughs> like yeah it's time to time to port get off this boat yep. and be done with it but you know money bonus right and then cory hawkins character clemens like his big thing about getting to england even though everybody's wanting to get paid his whole thing he's just trying to make sense of the world he wants the world to make sense <laughs> and then of course nothing he sees after that makes sense nope. <laughs> but um but uh what's it woody norman which he was in cobweb that i watched talked about mm-hmm. earlier one thing he's good at is showing how scared he is even though he's young like he's he's good like this is this been through some stuff <laughs> like he shows yeah. he shows that yeah that I'm, I'm scared like he's really good at displaying his his fear um and they, they make some choices in this that i didn't see coming that i was like oh surprised by um but 
for what little information that they have from that chapter and making this a, you know, movie, I thought it was pretty decent. Okay. And, um, you know, apparently this is the second film from Universal featuring Count Dracula with the other one being Ren- Rainfield. So, oh, yeah. But, um, I liked it for what it was. Like, I didn't really know what to expect from it <laughs> at all. But, um, I was, I was satisfied with it. It was, it was cool. Maybe it should have been like a streaming movie. I don't yeah. know if it should have been box office, but right. You know, and Davis S. Malchin's in this for quite a while, which surprised me as well. He actually gets <laughs> to do a little acting and not just make a cameo. <laughs> right. Right. But um So while you were talking about this, I got an email from Regal. Mm-hmm. It says Jeff, Liam Neeson's next action thriller is on sale now. I said, damn, they're listening while we're recording. Is that the one that's where you got the bomb in the car? Retribution. <laughs> right of redemption and revenge. When a mysterious caller puts a bomb under his car seat, Matt Turner, William Neeson, begins a high-speed chase across the city to complete a specific series of tasks. Well, I mean, he's got special set of skills, so yeah, that checks. With his kids trapped in the back seat and a bomb that will explode, if they get out of the car, a normal commute becomes a twisted game of life or death as Matt follows the stranger's increasingly dangerous instructions in a race, in a race against time to save his family. So it's speed. That's what I was thinking. Speed slash taken slash everything Liam Neeson's done. Spaken. 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 <laughs> uh, it's Liam Neeson. It's going to be like, if he has an action scene, it's going to be about 20 cuts to make him make it look. Oh, wait. And if his kids are in the back seat, aren't they like in their 40s? Like 30s <laughs> or 40s? I'm just saying. Right. I, I still remember that movie where he was literally jumping over a fence and they had so many cuts before he actually got yeah. to the other side. I'm like, this is worse than them trying to make um, Steven Seagal look good at fighting now. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be interesting. Sure, it will. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Uh, coming out this week, we have Blue Beetle. So DC's latest, but not last, uh, movie for this year. And then we also have Strays, which I will probably not be going to watch. And I'm I mean, not passing on that one. I'll probably watch I, it. I don't know if I'll talk about it, but I'll probably watch it. I will probably watch it when it comes to streaming. I am yeah. not going to the theater for that movie. That'd probably be on Peacock. It seems like a Peacock streaming type deal. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But, yeah. Blue Beetle for sure, though. Yep, true that. Now I just got to figure out how many kids are going to end up going with me. Depending on their interest. Both of them, York will be here this weekend, so... I have a feeling he might want to go. But, yep, we'll, fi- we'll find out. Yeah, hopefully Kyle will be here this weekend, but yeah, I don't, there's a lot of movies that are out that, because the last time she's supposed to come back, we're supposed to went to see Barbie, but I don't know what she wants to see. There's so many, there's, there's a lot of good, good movies out, mm-hmm. so plenty Shoot, to choose uh, from. Ruth and Grayson both told me they want to go see Barbie again. It would be their third time. I don't remember the last time Ruth has been to a movie three times. I don't even know if she's ever been to a movie three times, to be honest, much less two. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it says a lot. Yep, yep. Grayson too. That would be her. It would be her third time also. Like damn, and it's now one point six billion dollars. 
Getting on up there. Yep. Yeah. That's and uh, Oppenheimer's up to six seventy five million. I mean, that's good. I mean, that's yeah. For that movie, you know, Christopher Nolan's movies, they have more of, I guess, more of a pop culture following. I'm not not cult following. I mean, yeah. You know, it's not really. They don't, except for the Dark Knight stuff. They don't really do financial big big but big box mm-hmm. office returns. But they do well enough. This is pretty good. Pretty good return. And every and I was thinking about seeing it in IMAX and still sold out <laughs> like literally yeah because I was it's crazy cause after I they've extended it, it like they've had to extend it that's cool hopefully I'll get to watch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> one try, of these I'm, days we'll try to watch it after work because I'm thinking school's back in people are working maybe I'll get lucky but maybe uh, mid we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah so that's what I was gonna try yep. to see yesterday after I watched Demeter but I end up going to watch um, the 50th anniversary of Enter the Dragon. Because I've nice. never seen it in the box in a big theater, so I was like, "Cool, mm-hmm. it's good. It was good. It didn't have as much. It was a fathom event, but it didn't have a lot of extra stuff like I thought it would." Yeah, but it was cool being able to watch it on the big screen. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Awesome. All right, I guess that's about it for this week. Hope everybody enjoyed it. A lot of good knowledge here. A lot of good movies. We actually discussed more than just two for a change. We had a good uh pool to talk about good variety too yep and hey let us know what you think does the quantity of credits that an actor is it about the amount of credits they have or is it the quality of performance let us know on our facebook group page we're curious all right we'll talk to you all next week have an awesome one Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.